You're listening to a University College Dublin Humanities Institute podcast. This podcast series features recordings of lectures, seminars and events hosted by or associated with the University College Dublin Humanities Institute. For more information, go to ucd.ie forward slash humanities. In this episode, the second of two podcasts from After the War, Patterns of Commemorating the Great War, a symposium which took place in Boston College in July 2016. The event was funded by the UCD Decade of Centenaries Programme, the UCD Humanities Institute, and run by the Irish Memory Studies Network. In this podcast, a keynote lecture by Professor Thea Sinbach anderson from the University of Copenhagen. Her lecture, Shatter's Own Memory, Croatia, Yugoslavia and the First World War, was introduced by Dr. Emily Pine, Director of the Irish Memory Studies Network. Good morning. Welcome to day two. Um, and uh, to our second plenary, um, it is my very great pleasure to introduce uh, my uh, memory studies colleague and also great friend, um, Thea Sinbach-Anderson. Um, Thea is assistant professor in the Department of Cross-Cultural and Regional Studies at the University of Copenhagen. Thea's work on the former Yugoslavia includes the landmark book, Usable History, Representations of Yugoslavia's Difficult Past, 1945 to 2002 as well as more recent work on the narrative templates for First World War commemoration in Serbia and Croatia. Thea leads the network New Memories Along Forgotten Fronts, which aims to explore and analyse emerging narratives of remembering the First World War in cultures that previously, like Ireland and Croatia, had underdeveloped commemorative narratives. Thea is also Vice-Chair of the Cost Action in Search of Transcultural Memory in Europe, and this year we'll publish the much-awaited edited collection, actually you've just published it, you gave it to me yesterday, Disputed Memory, um, Emotions and Memory Politics in Central, Eastern and Southeastern Europe. Thea's work on memory tectonics and shatter zones of commemoration is groundbreaking and of profound importance for memory scholars working on the Balkans, as well as being applicable to other contexts where we find contested and confrontational memory traditions side by side. And so I'm delighted that today her topic is Shatter Zone Memory, Croatia, Yugoslavia and the First World War. Thanks a lot, Emily. Thank you. And uh, of course, I would, start, I would like to start out with thanking you so much for having me here and for arranging this, which is great. I had a fantastic day yesterday and learned a lot about Ireland, <laughs> which I don't know very much about, but I definitely understand why Emily keeps pointing out that there are lots of interesting connections to be made between the cases that I'm usually working on, the former Yugoslav ones and, um, and Irish memory in general. Also, I should make another thank, which is directed to Isma Derovic, sitting over there, because a lot of the work that I'm going to present here, he's contributed significantly to as my research assistant, now my colleague uh, at the University of Copenhagen. So, um, our, our, um, our topic of this conference is after the war. Um, and of course, given it's the First World War we're talking about, it's a very long after, which is manifestly demonstrated by the fact that we are seeing the, the, the markings and celebrations of the centenary going on now. Um, and I find it really interesting that we're going to talk about this long after, and we have been talking about this long after for most of yesterday as well. Um, so what will be my focus in this talk is, uh, is the relationship between the, these long after the war patterns, the creation of of patterns of, com of commemoration, of, of traditions, of remembering, and the dynamics of memory in the moment. Because um, I think these are madly importantly connected. Um, and I think there are three aspects that we need to look at 
to, to grasp these relationships and to grasp the, what's going on with, with memory as it's happening in the moment, with the, with the commemoration of events, the commemorative events that are taking place in connection to the centenary now. And I think the first one is, um, as a historian, it's a bit banal to say, but I have to say it, the importance of the event itself or the, the, uh, the complex of events that are being commemorated, the amount of effect they have on the society that we're talking about, that will inevitably be important for, for what memory does to it. Uh, secondly, the traditions of memory, the patterns of commemoration as they are being created, the things that we are referring back to when we are commemorating, when we are remembering in the moment, will be based on that tradition. So the emotional impact that commemorative activities will have will inevitably be sort of drawing on the traditions that they are talking to. And of course, that's even more the case in, in a case such as the First World War commemoration, where it's definitely outside living memory by now. It's all about what we have been doing before that allows us to remember still. And finally, the third aspect that we need to look at uh, are rather another sort of quite obvious point in memory studies is the needs and conditions of the present, which definitely will shape what happens to memory. Um, however, what I'm going to argue very much in this talk is that this relationship uh, is certainly not simple, not at all. I'm going to argue that we have, uh, we have uh, cases where immensely important events are hardly being remembered at all. Um, and I'm going to give you an example of that. That would be the First World War in Croatia. It definitely had a tremendous impact on Croatia, the First World War, but for long it was hardly remembered at all, definitely not very enthusiastically. Um, and I'm going to try to give you some ex explanations for that. Uh, and the first one, the first explanation will be, will be based on, uh, on that memory tradition argument. So I'm going to argue that, uh, that uh, the, main, the, the main trends of, of, of First World War commemoration tradition uh, did not really allow for a, a strong memory to develop. And that is because I'll argue that um, that, that Croatian commemoration of the First World War was completely subsumed to the Yugoslav memory tradition which was basically, I'll argue, a Serbian memory tradition. So there hasn't, there hasn't really been a, a space for uh, creating that memory tradition, I'd argue. And uh, secondly, I'm going to uh, propose that we may understand this strange relationship to the First World War in Croatia um, as a, a, res a result of the fact that Croatia is a memorial zone with regard to the First World War. Um, so I'm going to try to convince you uh, that it makes sense to look at, at, the, at these uh, dynamics of memory as uh, tectonics of memory. Um, I'm going to argue that this is a, by using these geological concepts, we might get access to the fact that these, these frictions and changes in the power balances of memory narratives are hugely important to the way that memory traditions develop. Um, and I'll argue that these dynamics may create these barren zones where there is no memory or where memory is really questioned or questionable Definitely not established. Uh, and these shutter zones are highly unstable, uh, very sensible to changes, and this may also result in sudden eruptions of memory. Uh, now I'll get back to all these lovely geological concepts in a bit. Um, the third thing I'll then be getting to, uh, finally, if I have time, um, I'll be looking at uh, what happens to shutter zone memory uh, when, uh, when something causes them to change when something provokes that 
that sensible balance, something happening like a centenary. Uh, and I'd argue that that's when you have eruptions coming. Firstly, to the First World War in Croatia. So uh, this is Croatian historian Tvetkoja Kovina arguing in 2010 that the First World War in Croatia is a non-existent conflict. Even before, when it was fresh in memory, we did not pay attention to it. After that, Yugoslavia was created, and after the 90s, we did not know what to do with it. We simply did not know how to solve that problem. And when we do deal with that war, we deal with some very narrow themes. Um, so what you see here is, before the centenary, there really is very little memory, is Jacobina's argument here. Um, and a lot of confusion as to what to do with it. It's definitely a, a, a difficult memory to cope with. And also, the Croatian uh, Minister of Culture here, uh, Andreas Latovijolic, has this argument. The, World War, the, the First World War has been very weakly addressed in our history writing. There are books about the period until 1914 and those dealing with events after 1918, but the First World War remained a black hole. We're starting from scratch in a way, and for us this anniversary is an occasion to consider something that has for decades been left aside. So here we have the centenary approaching. I've got a third book for you here about the absence of memory. Um, this is Vonimir Despot, a uh, journalist uh, and um, participant in the debate, the history debates in, in, in Croatia. And he says, unfortunately, we still do not have a sufficiently developed consciousness of the importance of understanding our own past in order to understand the future. Um, and he's clearly talking about the First World War here, and he's, he's talking about Croatia's inability to sort of take its own history seriously. And he's doing that in an article which very tellingly has the title First World War Croatia does not have any register of the human losses. So the argument here going, we haven't really, we haven't even paid enough attention to this to know how many people lost their lives in this war. And that, uh, it should be known here that this is generally a, a hugely important topic in Croatia. Uh, the Second World War is always a question of counting how many people lost their lives and of course, the, the Balkan Wars as well have been all about how big the losses were. So it, it's, it's definitely an issue when you do not know the amount of losses. That is because you haven't taken the conflict seriously. That would be Despot's argument, and I, in this particular case, I agree with him. So clearly, we do not have an established memory here. Um, and then I want to pose a question, why is that? Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit about history, um, just very briefly. I'm going to use this map to argue that it is definitely not because the First World War was not a hugely important event in Croatia. And to make that argument, there's a simple political thing. This is the region in which Croatia... Oh, you might not be able to see it. Croatia's over here. And this is the region, as you'll see, there's Austria-Hungary Austria -Hungary up here. There's the Ottoman Empire down, and there's a tiny Serbia. There's a bit of political instability because Bosnia and Herzegovina is part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire here. So, no Croatian state, obviously. This is a political system that Croatia was part of in 1908. Here is Croatia and the Balkans in 1923. Completely different. Austria and Hungary are now two small national states. You have Croatia over here as part of a new, somehow national state, the state of the South Slavs, or at this time called the kingdoms of Serbs, Croats and Slovenes. So my point here is that the political reality of Croatia is completely changed. During the First World War, Croatia has experienced a complete system, collapse of system politically, but also a collapse of society. Um, 
suffering of all kinds of things, um, and the creation of a new, different state with a different dominant power uh, from the outside. Uh, so a completely new political framework, definitely. Um, this is also the kingdoms of Serbs, Croats, and Slovenes. It's a state founded on a, win on a winner's narrative. It's a state created out of Serbia, which was on the winning allied side of the First World War, Montenegro, which was as well, and then, as you'll see from the map, the losing South Slavs, uh, the South Slav parts of, of Austria-Hungary, the, the, one of the, of, of the losing powers in the First World War. So a complex connection is this new state. Moreover, there are the human issues. It was not because there weren't losses, definitely. This is a picture of Croatian soldiers in, in the Austro-Hungarian army in Galicia in 1917. Um, and as, as Vonimir Despot said earlier, we don't know how many people lost their lives in this war, but we definitely know it's a lot. So it's assumed, and again, not for certain, but it's assumed that uh, of, of, of the approximately 7 million people who came from the Croatian uh, regions of, uh, of Austria-Hungary, and the Croatian regions would then include Croats, the majority, but also Serbs, Bosnian Muslims and Slovenes. Of these 7 million, 300,000 died, and there were lots of wounded people and, uh, and that sort of thing as well. Also, uh, uh, on the home front, there would have been famine, uh, and also the, the collapse of the political system meant that you had chaos in the countryside, uh, and you had, uh, especially in, in the last year of the war, you had groups of, of, of uncontrolled so-called green cater people who deserted their, their army and went back and basically robbed and plundered the countryside to survive. So definitely a huge and problematic history to, uh, to tell, or you could say a different and a complex memory. Uh, and how is this, is one of the, the questions that we must pose ourselves, how is this to function in this new state? with a combination of winners and losers. Um, these, these soldiers were on, on, on enemy side, so how do you describe their warfare? How do you create a narrative of their warfare on, on the enemy side? Quite difficult, obviously, in the state construction. And, uh, and, and the short answer to that is they basically didn't. They did not talk about these Habsburg experiences or the Austro-Hungarian armies at all. Uh, what the Yugoslav de state did instead was to create what, uh, what John Paul Newman has called a culture of victory. So um, this is the Avala monument made by, uh, by the, the Yugoslav king Alexander just outside Belgrade and it is dedicated to the unknown hero. Um, and what it does is it's, 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 uh, it's, it's basically aimed at the... At, it's supposed to be aimed at the Yugoslav soldiers. So it, it, it's, 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 it's this... Uh, Greek temple-style construction with carrier tits wearing uh, popular costumes of every region of, of, of the Yugoslav state that was constructed. But in practice, it's a memory to the Serbian soldiers, and you can quite clearly see that because inside there's an inscription to the soldiers who fell from 1912 to 1918. And 1912 and 1913, that's the Balkan Wars where Croatia, Slovenia, and Bosnia did not participate at all. So it's a... Uh, it's, uh, strictly Serbian memory, actually, but with a, a Yugoslav aspiration, if you want, which is what I've then termed here the myth of, of Serbia's pro-Yugoslav army. This is a massive monument. It's huge, and it's, it's uh, some kilometers outside Belgrade uh, on a hill, uh, quite a big complex, actually, and it also illustrates the amount of energy and resource that was put into creating this, this, cult of victory, this culture of victory. The culture of victory draws heavily on 
uh, on the Serbian First World War narrative, which is about uh, heroism and uh, is about suffering. Um, and here are more examples of that. Another statue in, in the city in the city center of Belgrade. It's called the Victor or the Victorious, uh, and he's staring uh, west northerly towards the Habsburg Empire, out sort of across the front, uh, looking winner-like. Uh, another huge statue in the center of Belgrade uh, called Gratitude to France, uh, which is also commemorating the collaboration between the Serbian armies and the French armies uh, on the Salonika front. So again, really a, a serious marking celebration of, of the First World War on Serbian side. There's nothing about what's happening in the Habsburg here. Um, and the narrative uh, is also closely connected to the Serbian royal house. So this is pictures uh, from, a, from, a, from, a, from a history school book for, for third year uh, students, or children, pupils. Um, and this is a picture of, of King Peter, who is still king uh, during the First World War. Uh, and in this book, he's got the, the extra name, The Liberator. He's called The Liberator. Um, king Alexander, who took over after him. The chivalrous King Alexander, The Unifier. And this is, of course, both these titles are both referring to the experience of the Balkan Wars and the, and, and the First World War. So, during King Peter, the, 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 the South Slavs were liberated, and during Alexander, they were unified. And what you have here is a complete sort of collision of First World War narrative with the Serbian victories, with the Serbian army, with the Serbian royal house. All in all, constituting that cult of victory, that narrative on which the interwar Yugoslav state is really based. Um, so there's a state narrative around this First World War uh, victory of the Serbian army and what to do in that case with the, with, with the, with the Croatian side of the story. Uh, it would inevitably be divisive, and there's definitely a case of marginalization of the memory of the Habsburg regions. It's not that it doesn't exist, though. It is just rather marginal. And here's one example of what what is there to be found if you search for it in the interwar period. This is a, um, a monument on the cemetery in, in, in Zagreb. Uh, it's called Mirogoyt Cemetery. And the monument is uh, to the fallen Croatian soldiers in the First World War. This is a complex monument to interpret because um, in 1919, the, the square thing, the cenotaph, was erected and nothing more. And then... In 1939, when Croatia gained a certain amount of independence in the Yugoslav state, the statue on the top was added. Um, and then finally, the inscription to the fallen Croatian soldiers in the First World War was added after 1990. So it's sort of a complex narrative developing here. Anyway, if you want to say a few things about this, the kind of story this is telling, I'd argue you definitely see nothing of, nothing of the heroism of the Serbian narrative. This is pure suffering. Um, and victimization. It is sacrifice. It's not heroic. And here's another one. Um, this is the great Croatian author, Miroslav Kurdeja, uh, who, who has been the voice, if you want, of, of the suffering of, 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 of Habsburg soldiers. And interestingly, Kurdeja is extremely well known. He is the Yugoslav author who should have had a Nobel Prize but never got it. Um, so this is definitely not a hidden narrative. Um, and this is uh, sort of, he, he, was, he was himself um, uh, participating on Habsburg's side, side as a soldier in the First World War. And this is one of his novels uh, depicting a, a hospital on, on the Eastern Front. And he describes the, the people lying there. And he says, the first group, broken bones, 
Phones stick out, as splinters, people lie voiceless through the day. Only when it's night do the wounded make themselves noticed, tormented and voiceless. Second group, amputated, arms or legs, or arms and legs. The wounds are not bounded, but dry under the toll like delicatessen. Third group, left towards the exit, the group of recruits. This recruit was only passing through 5B. He travels from the bathroom to the mortuary. So really, this is quite devastating, quite nasty, and definitely not a heroic in any way narrative of the First World War looked like. And he sums it up later as, and I quote, there's no time, there's nothing, only pain, end of quote. So this is the solemn, terrifying part. He's, he's got different, uh, different short stories where he basically just mocks the Habsburg armies and explain how ridiculous, how silly, how stupid this sort of warfare was, which would basically fit fairly well into a Serbian narrative about a heroic uh, victory, and then you had the Habsburg being a, a hopeless, silly thing. The fact is, however, still that a huge part of the population, half of the country, participated or were involved in war on that site. So it's still a, an utterly complex um, memory to, to grasp within this, uh, within this state. We know that uh, a lot of the, of the veterans uh, from, from Habsburg site in the First World War developed either into this pacifism that Kurlischer illustrates here, or alternatively into fascist groups, which were then involved in, in, in the Yugoslav Civil War in the Second World War. Um, so definitely a divisive memory. Um, and definitely not really solved, because what happens uh, is, of course, you have the Second World War coming, and after the Second World War, uh, Yugoslavia is taken over uh, by, by the Communist Party, takes control of, of, of Yugoslavia, rebuilds a different uh, multinational federation, um, in which the history of, of the First World War is very much less important than it was in the, in the First Yugoslav State, because basically the Second Yugoslavia has as its founding with the Second World War. So this can sort of disappear into the background, become much less important. Um, and especially the Croatian version, because you do, you do have in school books and wherever a continuous version of the Serbian heroic narrative, just much less important than it was in the interwar kingdom. So this is where I'd argue you have a, 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 a Croatian narrative pretty much disappearing. Until 1990. This is Franjo Tuchman. Uh, who uh, ran for, uh, for president uh, and led the, uh, the, the, the Croatian Democratic Union in 1990 when Yugoslavia was falling apart and in 1991 Croatia of course declared its independence followed by uh, the Yugoslav Wars um, through which uh, one third of the Croatian country was occupied. Um, so an intense national situation, a, a, a period where everything would be subsumed by the issue of national survival if you want. Um, and then the creation of a new Croatian state. And of course a new Croatian state would demand new narratives, um, new memories, um, which will of course be one of the things that will really change what can be commemorated and what not. What about the First World War in this context then? I, I'd argue very little still, uh, because you've got other things going on. So this is a quote from 2011, um, from a school book, a history school book for, for seventh grade. And this is basically how they sum up Croatian First World War history. During the First World War, many Croatian citizens were killed, wounded, or disappeared on remote battlefields. And in the country, poverty, hunger, and illness prevailed. End of story. Basically, this is not a memory. This is, uh, by, the fact, by, the way, the, by the way, the facts were like this, sort of. 
Uh, so why is this? And this is where I, uh, I will argue that um, Croatia is a memorial shutter zone when it comes to the First World War. Um, and I'm going to introduce you to my tectonics concepts now. So this is the idea of memory tectonics. Uh, and I'm suggesting that you have these grand memory narratives that be maybe imperial, national, liberal, socialist, sort of spread over the world map. And they are colliding and they are retreating. Uh, so you have a, a situation of, of, of them competing. And you have resilience and inertia because they're really based on, on, on heavy, powerful political structures and well-established, long-founded narratives of memory. Uh, but they are still dynamic and they have an utterly explosive potential. And I realized that the idea of looking at it as tectonics is a little bit similar to what Jeffrey Ollick likes to do with memory regions. Uh, but I like you that with, with, when, you look, when you look at it as tectonics, you have a particular view to, uh, to long-term process, memory tradition, which is what I'm trying to argue here is really important, uh, to power relation and especially to the reciprocal dynamics of interactions and frictions between these narratives. Um, so here's what a shatter zone then is. A shatter zone, a memorial shatter zone, will be uh, a place, a region where grand memory narratives collide or divide, creating unstable zones of disputed, diverse or abandoned memory even, absent memory it could be. Um, and you may have emptiness because, as you know from plate tectonics, plates might meet and compete or they might uh, separate and then create these empty, hollow, unstable regions where things can happen as well, which, which, which are really sensitive also. So we have tension or we have emptiness in these shutter zones. Um, and then you may have the eruptions, in the, especially in the highly unstable shatter zones. Um, and we may have them because of, of, of colliding memory narratives or of absence of grand narrative, which is what I'd argue is the case in, in Croatia with the First World War. Uh, you may have eruptions of new memory, uh, explosive memory disputes in these shatter zones. Um, and an eruption, uh, what could it be? Could it be caused by, of course, a political change, external pressure? We're talking about plates colliding here. Um, it could be a Deus Ex Machina thing, I'd argue, like a centenary, which has this character of uh, we could compare it to Halley's Comet. You expect it to come, it will come at regular intervals, and you'll all be, oh, there it goes, uh, reacting to it. But otherwise, it's in principle irrelevant. It's a question of numbers, right? 100. Um, still, it does have explosive potential, which is what I'm going to, to try to demonstrate in a moment. So, such an eruption might be compared to a, a memory event in Alexander Etkin's uh, understanding of that term. And he describes a memory event as a, as a rediscovery of the past that creates a rupture with its accepted cultural meaning that might produce volatile effects, generate secondary waves and aftershocks, eventually crystallize in common cultural symbols. It could be repetitive, it may evolve, it may change meaning, that's a memory event. And I'd argue an eruption is something different. Um, it's a singular significant change, I'd say, with explosive transformation as a potential within memory culture. And it's inherently dependent on the conditions and the tectonics of memory around it. So it's, it's all about the, uh, the relations to, uh, to, the, to, the, to the tectonic plates around it and how they are sort of interacting. 
Right. I'm going to give you an example of what this tectonics might look like. Um, this is a First World War memory tectonic map. Um, and you'll see Croatia here. And of course you'll understand that this used to be the Yugoslav narrative. It has been redrawn to become a Serbian narrative now. Because the Yugoslav narrative with the creation of the independent Croatian state has become utterly abandoned, irrelevant. The aim here was to create a national Croatian state and you really couldn't use the, the Yugoslav narrative. So it's been abandoned and pulled back to Serbia here. And you have an empty shatter zone. And I'd argue you have this shatter zone problem on a general European level as well. And here I'm speculating a little bit because this is a bit outside my own research area. So I'm making all sorts of grand statements now. But I'd say you have a Soviet revolutionary memory narrative up here. You have a Western European one here, which is the trend Western Front narrative. And then you have something here in the middle in the former Soviet states, where they actually don't really have a very clear First World War memory established either, I'd argue. And, of course, I'm very keenly aware of that just now, but I have my trench warfare story ending sort of at the end of, of, of Wales, right? So what's happening to Ireland? <laughs> I'm not really certain about, and that's where you need to fill in, all of you. But I'm perfectly willing to think that there's a shatter zone going on somewhere around there in the western part of my map. Um, and also you have the, 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 the western narrative sort of ending somewhere in Denmark because the First World War has very little relevance in Scandinavia. We tend to forget about and talk about Scandinavian things when, when the First World War should be important, actually. Also, um, I'd like you to pay attention to the fact that Croatia is somehow caught here in what is now an EU narrative and a, and a, and a Yugoslav-Serbian-Balkan narrative. There's a, there's a, a, tension, a, a, a narrative template friction taking place here, a narrative tectonic plate friction taking place here. So, what happens when you have the centenary coming into this tectonic situation? So if Croatia is a memorial shatter zone, what will happen when it's exposed to something that will inevitably activate memories such as the centenary? I'd argue you'll have uh, an eruption of First World War memory in Croatia. Surprise, this is what's happening now, or was happening in 2014. I'm going to hedge this because the importance of this eruption might really be questioned later on. Uh, anyway, we do have an eruption of First World War memory. This is then Croatian Minister of Culture, Andreas Latavijolic, and she was made head of a special national agency for coordination of the commemoration of the First World War. Here she's speaking at a First World War conference in Zagreb in May 2014, and she's talking about a book that caused immense discussion in the Balkans, Christopher Clark's Sleepwalkers. Um, anyway, she is at the centre of this eruption. Um, and this is where we also have the, uh, the, the narrative plates colliding, because she's actually being partly made that by the EU, uh, who in, uh, invited her to participate in a general European planning meeting for how to mark the centenary of the First World War. And they were meeting up in France in October 2013. So it's also got an outside um, push. And you'll remember Slata Violet saying uh, in the quote, I actually have it here, her quote here saying that this was, a, this was a black hole in our history. We're starting from scratch. And this anniversary is an occasion for us to consider something. So now we're starting because of the, of the, uh, of the, uh, of the centenary. So what does she do? All sorts of things. Uh, this is uh, the webpage of the Croatian Ministry of Culture as it looked in 2015, part of it, which is all about the First World War, 100 years after. 
And this is a list of points that the Ministry of Culture are involved in in order to, um, to, to mark the centenary. There are more than 70 points on this list. It's a lot of different things going on. Politically coordinated from the center um, of Croatia in 2013, 2014 and 15 as well. So I'd argue that this is a top-down political project with a huge catalogue of activities and arrangements. Um, so it's certainly a memory erupting, I'd argue. How does it look then, this memory, when it erupts? Well, we have these special exhibitions. This is one of them uh, on the list as well. Uh, it's, it's a special exhibition of, of pictures from the First World War in the Croatian History Museum, uh, being there from June 2014 to January 2015. Um, this is artworks, and of course, art is an important way of, of creating memory. Um, stunning, beautiful, touching pictures, but also just pictures about the important, important military figures and kings. And what I'd argue is it's, it's, it's marking something, it's making a statement, but it's not a narrative. It's a lot of pictures, basically. And, and there's not uh, the construction of what the First World War memory in Croatia would be. That's not really taking place in this one. Another special exhibition here, which does a bit more of it. It's called Echoes of the Battlefield, Zagreb in the First World War. And it's a special exhibition of Zagreb City Museum, December 2014 to March 2015. I owe you the extra comment here that uh, the Zagreb City Museum used to have a history of Zagreb exhibition, which is really good, with the First World War a tiny, tiny bit in a narrow corner, pretty much reminding you of the quote from the school book of 2011. Well, this happened. There were a lot of hospitals in Zagreb. There were a lot of people being hungry, basically. And then the war ended, kind of. It's really not something that's, that's, that's taken place. So they expand pretty much that very short narrative here. So uh, this special exhibition is huge, with a lot of things going on, um, but ending again quite quickly. What, is, what it does, which is really interesting, however, is that it does involve people here. Um, so it, as part of its, its, its museum activity, it invites people to, to, to come into the museum and give over artifacts from family history uh, that belong to them, and then tell the story of what it is. And uh, they're being interviewed for for, for the Croatian tabloid Virginia List, uh, and 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 this is being summarised as the First World War was really not important for them. And, they, and I quote now: "It was really boring for them, but now they would give anything to hear from first hand how their grandfathers managed in the trenches across Europe a hundred years ago." So you definitely have this creation of interest coming here, and I'm kind of thinking, it's 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 also something about getting old enough to wanting to know about history because. Before this, the, 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 the newspaper article actually quotes how as children they were sort of told the stories and didn't want to hear them. So now they're becoming relevant, apparently. Uh, so a big museum exhibition that marks the centenary. And what I'm sort of not certain about is how, how that's going to stick into creation memory in the longer run. That's, that remains to be seen, definitely. There's a, an eruption in creation uh, media as well. Um, and I just picked the two most interesting ones because they're also pointing to that story of, of the suffering of, of, of the soldiers. So this article's picture of, of, of Croatian officers in Galicia and refers to Galicia and the Habsburg uh, Front as the greatest slaughterhouse in Croatian, of Croatian soldiers in the First World War. So we have that slaughterhouse idea, which we sort of recognize from, from the Western Front narrative. 
And another one here, the battlefield at Storcha, that's, that's where the, the Habsburg Empire was fighting Italy. Uh, the greatest Dalmatian graveyard, they then referred to it as. So I also pointing out the tragedy of the soldiers and the losses. And I remind you, we still don't know how many of them. However, this is 2014, um, when the centenary really was kicking in. And I'd argue that it's pretty much disappearing again. The special exhibitions are over. You don't notice the same thing going on in the media anymore. And it re really remains to be seen what will happen in, uh, in, uh, in the creation, creation of a general memory. So I, I'll just give you another example of an eruption, because uh, my argument would still be that this is very much something that's crossing borders, uh, entering different states, states are talking to one another, and I definitely argue that the eruption of Croatian memory here, in, uh, of First World War memory, is hugely connected to what's happening in Bosnia and elsewhere. And the thing is that you have the wildest eruption in Bosnia, uh, preparing for the centenary celebration in, in, in Sarajevo, Things were going mad in Bosnia, I'd argue. Um, so the former mayor of Sarajevo was heading the commission that was planning how to celebrate 2014 uh, in, in, in Sarajevo, and he said this, he said, preparing for it, during the month of June 2014, there'll be a great number of cultural events. The champions of Tour de France will be here, as well as the Olympic champions, and many famous names from the world of sports, culture, renowned theatres. It is very serious. This is not a commemoration. It will all have the air of culture over it. Next year, Sarajevo will be the crossroads of culture. So you can think, this doesn't sound like he's commemorating a huge human catastrophe. Not really. Um, I don't think so. Uh, and this is what they did in Sarajevo. Um, this is the museum uh, of, of, of young Bosnia, or the museum of the Habsburg period, or the museum of the, uh, the assassination, as it's currently called, I think. Uh, in June 2014, they have this huge banner out there, Stating the street corner that started the 20th century. Right here is a plague to Gabriel Prince. Right here he stood shooting Franz Ferdinand, right? So this is, yeah, this is the street corner. Anyway, my point is this, is this is written in English. So it's definitely aimed at an international audience and it's definitely aimed at making a sensation out of this rather than making a serious commemoration. This is actually a picture I stole from Isma. Um, this is the, 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 a replica of the car that Franz Ferdinand was driving, and you can sit in it and experience what it feels like to be <laughs> it's, ra it's rather morbid. No, of course you aren't being shot, but I mean, you have the car here, uh, and you can have a photo. And it is rather a morbid way, I think, of, of marking this event. Uh, and of course, we have the other things going on. The famous uh, Sarajevo bicycle race, uh, commemorative bicycle race. Um, and here we comes back to what are the driving forces. We have the international interest a moment ago. Uh, this is uh, Dino Merlin, a Bosnian musician. This is uh, the wife of, of, of uh, the French ambassador in, in Bosnia. And they all like cycling a lot. So it makes sense to turn this event into a, a cycling event. So this is the Sarajevo Grand Prix for professional bicycle riders. So here you have the amateurs participating in the 1914-2014 Sarajevo Grand Prix. So definitely a commemoration cycling event. Something really weird is going on here. Combining the aim of introducing cycling as a popular thing to sort of, yeah, marking a cultural event. Extremely strange. There is a solemn public part as well here. This is, uh, this is the Vyasnitsa that was bombed during the, 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 the war in Bosnia and then has been rebuilt the the city hall, and here you have the Vienna Philharmonic Orchestra performing, 
on on the the evening of, of the 28th of June 2014, that's the centenary of, of the shot of Franz Ferdinand, obviously. And you had the presidents of Austria, Croatia, Bosnia Herzegovina, Montenegro, and, and Macedonia present at that. This event was also, I mean, it, it was a statement. It was a gift from the from the from the Vienna Philharmonics. They played for free to sort of make this reconciliatory statement. And this way you have the very international thing going on as well, and the clear aim of stating this as a reconciliatory thing. So you have all these different agendas taking place. And of course, this is a way of, of for, 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 for the Sarajevo administration, for the people running this commemoration event to sort of touch onto a European thing. What they don't really touch on to, tag onto is, is, is the First World War as, as, a, as a human catastrophe, as a historical memory that is hugely important for some people, the Serbs, for example. And I'm going to show you very briefly a different eruption. That is the Serbian part of Bosnia, where they definitely could not see any point in participating in, this, in, the, in the Sarajevo commemorations. And Milorad Dodik, uh, the, the president of, the, of, of Republika Srpska, the part, Serbian part of Bosnia, said this. Having in mind who's behind this and where the commemoration is being held, there can be no doubt that it will, as has happened in several cases so far, be used to alter history, which undoubtedly can be seen as a new propagandistic attack on Serbs, particularly those living in Republika Srpska. As a freedom-loving people, which has in the name of liberty suffered such enormous casualties and throughout its history been on the side of fairness and against occupation and fascism, we have a duty not to allow them to change and erase our collective memory and history. So here you really have an a connection between our memory and us as a people. Um, and we are being under attack by this, if you want respectful, or respectless would be what I wanted to say, marking of, of the centenary. Um, so you have a counter-reaction here, definitely. And this is the Eastern Sarajevo um, celebration of, of the centenary. The day before, on the 27th of June, they, they revealed the statue of Gavrilo Princip, which is now... In, in, in Eastern Sarajevo. So definitely start stating a different version of this, that the murder of Franz Ferdinand was a heroic event and we do not participate in the sort of celebration that takes place over here. Milorad Dodik actually forbade any public participation from Republika Srpska in, in, uh, in the celebrations in, in Sarajevo, except from in the bicycle race, interestingly. Um, so there's, there's something weird going on here. So. What I wanted to show with this is definitely the way that eruptions connect to one another, that you have Bosnia is obviously also part of this memorial chatter zone, and, and the event of the centenary is really starting things, and you see the, 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 the plates meeting, the tectonic plates sort of uh, having friction with each other. So to sum up all these many threats pointing in different directions, uh, I would argue that when we look at this, as tectonic processes of, 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 of narrative memories interacting, uh, we realize how extremely connected it all is, that these cases really interrelate and they react to each other. Um, we, have to, uh, we see that when we look at the Seattle zones, that uh, the, the, the eruptions in Croatia um, seem to come out of an absence of First World War memory that and that's the case in Bosnia, as well, as well I'd argue, that, that Bosnia has abandoned the Serbian memory, left it to the Serbian part of Bosnia, and then there is really no Bosniak or Croatian Bosnian memory of it. So there is an absence of memory which allows the, reoption, the, the, the eruption to happen, uh, and that this eruption is created by, by uh, the, the absence of memory is created by the abandonment of the old Serbian Yugoslav narrative. 
or you might argue that the, the, the grant narrative is retreated due to political changes. And you have this extremely strong friction and eruption when the, war, when the new narratives collide, especially in Bosnia, but obviously what's happening in Croatia is in, inspired by that as well. Um, so, and I find it interesting that, that the strong driving forces here are both the international impetus you have in Croatia and in the Bosnian Federation, so you have the, the EU definitely obviously involved in Croatia, but, but also the embassies, the international corporations, etc. It's a top-driven thing. Uh, it's done by politicians, ambassadors, ministers, and then you have the deus ex machina of the centenary to, to really challenge things here. Um, so what happens to the Seattle memory here? And th that's where I want to say that all of this, all the things that I've pointed out here, seem to me extremely impermanent, short-lived, strange. So you have the temporary exhibitions, uh, you have a wave of interest in the media, which is now gone, so are the temporary exhibitions. You have a, a Minister of Culture in Croatia as a main driving force, but she's now replaced with a new unstable government in, in Croatia. Uh, so it really remains to be seen what, what the, if this eruption of First World War memory will develop into something stable, uh, if the First World War will become a part of national memory in Croatia. So I'd say that Croatia is still a memorial shatter zone, and so are the countries around. So there's a, a lot of potential dynamics happening there. Thank you.